into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Hello and greetings the damned. Welcome to Pod Damn America, the motherfucking goth socialist podcast for very humid, humid people that are all wearing Bauhaus and uh, Joy Division shirts in Austin, Texas and all over the world right now. It is fucking gray. It has been gray and wet the entire time I've been in this town. I don't know what this means. It's like, I guess it's kind of cool. It's kind of, you know, like the the spooky weather is following me. I think I'm going to record an album tonight during a storm. Pretty cool. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Sorry about the irregular um, release schedule right now. The road's been fucking wild. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it in a minute. Um, I am standing (laughs) in the parking lot of a bingo hall in motherfucking Austin, which is... God, I forgot how quaint this place is. Um... (laughs) a bingo hall and the sign sign out front says uh, no one under eight is uh, allowed in this on the premises here so shit's about to get pg motherfucking 13 in here tonight <laughs> we're gonna say one curse word shit's gonna get wild um i uh <laughs> i also also i've got a minute i've got a minute to like sit down and get some work done in austin uh, and I kind of got um, sweated out a lot of these weird, uh, I don't know, just the road. Just sweated out the road a little bit, so I'm feeling a lot better. I was kind of, I feel like I'm getting narcoleptic. I don't know what the fuck's happening. But um, but point is, I'm going to release a couple of previously paywalled episodes because they've gotten a really good response from our patrons on Patreon. Um, can't release all of them because there's got to be something you know, that you're paying for. But this, is, this isn't this is a capitalistic, transactional relationship we have, I think, if I'm understanding Patreon correctly. Um, I don't think that there's a situation where you're going to be like, hey, I'm not getting my dollars worth, you know. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, anyway, who knows? I don't know. I'm sure I've got some, uh, <laughs> some very libertarian-minded fans out there. There's overlap sometimes. I don't know. Um, but, but... Um, keep an ear out for those there's gonna be like a little burst of episodes uh, i'm gonna put them all up kind of over the course of a couple of days i had a um <laughs> a friend of mine and a uh, person studying history come in and tell this crazy story about this uh vigilante yiddish anarchist um that's uh look out for it it's a fucking great story anyway anyway austin texas bingo hall tour let me fill you in on what we're gonna be talking about a little bit today <laughs> um tour has been fucking crazy it's been good i'm out of my mind uh my life's in shambles and so i'm doing very well on stage that's how stand-up comedy works it's an old cliche and unfortunately it's true um (laughs) so i'm recording this album tonight and um tour's been really interesting i forgot it's i love traveling i fucking love traveling because you you know jesus fucking christ oh right right (laughs) i forgot we're in 
Texas. Um, <laughs> that was like a fucking rice rocket or something. I don't know. Um, is that a racist term? I, I haven't used that term since I was 16. When I was growing up in Houston. Yeah, okay, it probably is. <laughs> Anyways. So, you know, it's good. Tra- traveling is the, the fucking, especially traveling like this, like you're just hanging out and working to some extent. It's a good way to get out of your bubble. I um, I watched new Killer Mike show, Trigger Warning, on Netflix, and uh, he it's in fucking insane, and he's a madman, but there's, you know, some good commentary in the show, and one of the things he talks about is um, the fact that everyone is kind of in a bubble, and I think this is like a thing that I've been thinking about a lot because, like, all sides of the political spectrum kind of tend to have this thing where they think, you know, well, I'm not in a bubble, those other people are in a bubble, and they don't realize that, like, you know, if you live in fucking Brooklyn, and you're saying, I'm not in a bubble, those people in West Virginia are in a bubble, right? And they're saying, I'm not in a bubble, those people in Brooklyn are in a bubble. Guess what? This is more than one bubble. It's uh, multiple bubbles, right? <laughs> um, this always drives me crazy when I have friends in Brooklyn that are like, we're at brunch, you know? And they're like, I live next to a, someone from India. I'm not in a bubble. No, you, yeah, you, you're at brunch. If you're at brunch, guess what? Brunch bubble, bitch. That's <laughs> Normal people can't brunch. Brunch is the most excessive, fucking decadent, getting drunk at breakfast. It's, <laughs> it's for a specific type of person. Um, but anyway, that being said, I mean, the re- that's why it's so good for your mind to, to travel around and, uh, and remember things. And so, and, 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 you know, see how other people are living. Because when you're on Twitter all day and you're reading the news and you're experiencing things in this abstract way where all the humanity is taken out. And, uh, and also, when you just... When you're just not right up next to things, you sometimes just don't, you know, perspective, you don't believe people. So I'm going to tell a couple stories, right? Um, first of all, I talked about this a little bit on an episode I'll be releasing. It was just like the first leg of the tour, but fucking coming down here was wild. Uh, the shows have all been great. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I came down the East Coast and I, I landed in Houston, Texas, right? Which is where my, uh, my folks live. Um, my parents, I grew up in uh, A-Leaf, Southwest Houston, Texas, which is a weird, um, like, hard to describe, kind of, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word the hood, because there's just so much, like, um, you know, uh, so much attached to that word, but I mean, if you don't, I, because it's, you know, also, people don't believe me, because I'm a fucking, uh, you know, dumb, you know, pasty-skinned rock and roll guy, um, <laughs> uh, it's hard to explain this neighborhood I grew up in, but if you, uh, if you want to know where I grew up, watch this documentary called The West. It's on YouTube. It's about A-Leaf, Texas, um, or A-Leaf, the neighborhood in Houston, and um, all the, mu- the music that's coming out of there, <laughs> and um, you know, all the crime and fucking drug culture and shit and all that sort of thing. Um, Maxo Cream, fucking awesome rapper right now, A-Leaf guy. Um, there's a bunch of cool shit coming out of there, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you'll see, like, it's weird. The, the poverty in cities in the northeast and poverty in the south is a lot a lot different um you know the northeast is where we get these terms like urban like oh bl- bl- urban comedy means black comedy or whatever um you know black people live in the city well in the south these cities are spread out um you know so there's just like there's poverty and shit just like sprawled all over the fucking place and so you know a lot of uh like music videos 
from like dirty South hip hop are not like, you know, it's not Biggie style. You're not like walking around Bed-Stuy. It's like in a parking lot in front of like this shit, like this fucking bingo hall, you know, or like just a torn down Kmart or whatever. It's fucking hilarious. Um, so anyway, anyway, you know, traveling, learning all this stuff, talking to people, and I'm getting a lot of perspective about uh, what's going on right now everywhere in the country. And so here's an important story um, that I'm going to tell. It's about my brother, and he doesn't know I'm going to tell it, and I don't want to blow up his spot, uh, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't know what a podcast is, so he'll probably never hear this. Um, <laughs> but uh, my brother has a disability. He uh, lives at home with my parents, and um, he works, And uh, but he's just, um, you know, it just works better for him living home home with my parents a couple years older than me no big deal um and they since moved out to like the suburbs in houston where <clears throat> i recorded this last episode a little pagoda um so my brother you know i used to when i was younger i used to tell him oh, you gotta move out you gotta, you gotta get out on your own it's the best thing i've ever done i'm a fucking no, i want to you know be a quasi homeless person travel around do stand up and shit um I, I tried to convince him to do it and he goes i don't know if i have enough money this is like years ago is it is that the fucking fire truck all right um i guess this podcast is a fucking hot fire um no they're definitely not here for that uh <laughs> they're actually like do you need some help um so my brother right uh at one point a few years ago i go i'm talking to him and i go hey you know do you ever think about moving out and he's like i don't know if i have enough money and i go well how much money do you have saved up because he's just been working at like walmart for years but he doesn't do anything. He just hangs out at home. Doesn't drink. You know, he doesn't have all these weird vices and shit that the rest of us have. So he goes, "Well, I only have about fifteen thousand dollars saved up." And I, you know, my fucking eyes bug out. And I go, "You have fifteen thousand dollars? I don't know a single human that has fifteen thousand um, dollars, or at least personally, you know, that I'm like friends with or whatever." Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I've known that he's been sitting on this stack of cash for a while, and he's just like. He doesn't know what the fuck his end of his life is going to look like. So, you know, he's saving money, you know. And last year, his appendix just blew up, which is the thing that happens when you're a human. Um, because there's like a, some, something called a desmoid tumor, like that just fucking burst through it or something. G- Google this shit if you want to get really grossed out. Desmoid tumors are like these gigantic fucking tumors that like it just leaves a crater in your body. Um... <laughs> And so, you know, he lives in Texas and was uninsured, but you can sort of do this thing where you get insured, you know, when something like that happens, it's covered partially, retroactively, or et cetera, but it's all based on all sorts of bullshit means testing and things like that, and, uh, you know, you can get kicked off because you have stuff in the family, um, what is that, pre-existing conditions, all that stuff, whatever. Anyway, the point is, he got fucked and had to file for bankruptcy, okay, and now he's got no money. So, my point here is that I should not be doing better than this person. This person has, like, you know, (laughs) spent her entire life saving money. I have not. I've been doing this crazy shit. And, like, I shouldn't have more money in the bank than this fucking person, you know? And when you talk about healthcare, especially in different parts of the... (laughs) Someone just fucking donked at me. Um... You talk about healthcare in like different parts of this country and with people of different means and fucking incomes and all that shit. This it's it's really easy to just think about these things in the abstract and not have, like look directly at a human and go, Jesus Christ, this fucking system like isn't fair at all and destroy your life. You know, it's fucking horrible. And so 
I was thinking about that because, you know, obviously there's all this healthcare debate going on right now. And if you're, you know, paying attention and you're probably in my audience, you, you know, know to call bullshit on, you know, the, the, the fucking Pelosi's and of the world, etc. And I got, I got a Twitter fight with a comedian I like, Andy Kindler. <laughs> um, but sort of came to find out that he has some views on this that are less than, um, I don't know, uh, wise, I would say, or perceptive. Um, I don't know. What the fuck? Okay, someone just parked, like, right next to me. No, right next to the dumpster. Okay, whatever. Anyway, um, so... Oh, this guy's here for the dumpster. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, you know, so... Got this Twitter argument with this guy. Um, mostly to generate content for the show. But uh, also because I, you know, say this guy's like completely obsessed with this this um, personality politics thing. And I've just been thinking about this a lot lately because, you know... I mean, it really, you feel crazy. You feel like a tinfoil hat person if you understand this shit on anything past an eighth grade level. Um, <laughs> it's really lame that uh, everything is so personality-based. And I don't have to explain this to you guys, but, you know, I mean, all these fucking liberals are just, like, standing AOC. They love AOC. And you, you explain to them, well, she's a socialist. And, you know, has similar politics to Bernie Sanders, who's the guy running for president, so if you like her, you would then make sense that you would transitively, like, support this person, um, and they're like, he's, he's a killer guy, I mean, he's just like, he's just going, like, I, uh, I he just seems self-righteous, I don't like him, you know, I don't, and I, like, tell him, well, that's not a, who gives a shit about these people's personalities, he's like, I don't like, no, this is not a, uh, a personal issue. It's I politically don't like him because he seems self-righteous. And it's like as if the rest of these fucking people aren't self-righteous, you know. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I, I won't go off too hard about it because you know I'm preaching to the choir. But it's just these people have lost their fucking minds. I hesitated to say this for a long time, but I think Democrats are just exactly as dumb as like Trump Republicans at this point. <laughs> like it's it, it's not that hard to really step back and look at and go if you would if you had fucking been raised in a different environment you would just be a republican most of these people you know <laughs> um but anyway yeah i don't know i'm just feeling a little bit more connected to people based on these issues and it's uh you know it doesn't i think you get you become more of a psycho fucking neoliberal when you're when you're reading all this shit like it's fucking magazines um you know, but if you actually you get out a little bit and stop stop staring at all this stuff through a, a social media feed, you know, it just put, makes things more and more clear. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Let me tell you another crazy story about the road, though. I, um... <laughs> I fucking played Houston uh, last week, and it was great. Um, there's these guys that run a, a place called The Secret Group, <clears throat> very cool when I lived in Texas this shit didn't really exist comedy in Texas was like there was there was two clubs alright there was a <laughs> there was a club called the Laugh Stop right which is like a legendary comedy club it's pretty cool it's downtown that's where Mitch Hedberg recorded some albums and stuff and then there was the Laugh Spot and these were two competing <laughs> clubs that had almost the same name Stop and Spot 
And so, like, I guess you would just get booked on one, and there were like one of them was cool, and then you would like drive all the way there and get show up. And go, ah, fuck! It's the the, the spot, and not the stop, <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah, the stop is a cool one. I, I uh, bombed at the spot um, very early on in my career. A bunch of people wearing, you know, uh, cornflower blue like button-down shirts tucked into fucking <laughs> blue jeans. You know, with their weird fucking, uh, their dates are like blonde women wearing like a, you know, like a, like a fringy white denim blouse. <laughs> These weird fucking bland pastel people, um, out in the, out in the burbs. The place was on the edge of the city next to a fucking Chuck E. Cheese, and I hated the club so much I hung out at the Chuck E. Cheese, which in retrospect is probably weird, but I took headshots there in the uh, photo booth. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I think both of those places might have closed down. There's some other shit going on now, but they're the secret group. If you live in Houston, you want to check out some stand-up comedy, this is, I would say, the place. Uh, this is the place that, you know, young fucking cool comics are working, and uh, seems like it's not too expensive. Our show, my headlining show, was pay what you want. People showed up. I made good money off of it, so, you know, that's all fucking rad, right? Sold some shirts and stuff. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh man, I fucking, I forgot how much I love Houston. Um, cause I grew up there, but then I, you know, I came over to Austin to be like a, a Portland fucking black jorts, you know, idiot and, uh, ride a bicycle and et cetera. And so, you know, I forget sometimes roots that are back in a much weirder city, I would say much more low key city. And Houston is just, it's a little bit more dirt baggy. It's, <laughs> it's like. It's hard to pin down, but it's it's less like um like a stereotypical you know hipster sort of like everyone's a musician sort of scene. It's very it's very like it's more East Coast. It's very dire and you know and just gritty. Like I would say, like it's it's more like a fucking Frank Miller comic or something. Um, and so I'm at a. There's a fucking school bus coming up to this dumpster now? I, guys, I don't know. I tried to pick, a, like, a dark alley to, to record this in so it wouldn't get that much background noise, but apparently I'm next to the the most popular dumpster in beautiful Austin, Texas. Um, <laughs> um, so my point about Houston is that I met, you know, a bunch of people who are in, you know, their 20s and 30s and are doing stand-up, which is when, you know, you all the insane shit happens to you that you write about. And uh, <laughs> there's just a couple of classically insane comedians that I interacted with. Uh, one, I'm not going to name anyone because I'm, I'm not talking shit, but I don't I ask them if I can tell these stories or whatever. There was one guy open for me, and he, <laughs> he fucking <laughs> he was really hungover one of the shows. And I went up to him. I go, what? hey, man, how are you? Like, what? <laughs> what's going on? And he's drinking a Powerade at the bar. And he just goes, ah, I got into a dice game with the bartender last night. And uh you know, he bought me in, and I didn't want to play, but, I, you know, he, I ended up winning all his money, and, and then at the end, you know, if you win someone's money, but they bought you in, the right thing to do is to go, hey, you know, uh, thanks, but keep the money, but if you're not a hardcore gambler, you probably don't know that that's, like, frowned upon, because it's considered bad luck or something, so this bartender apparently goes, no, you keep the money, you know, and he's like, I don't want it, just give it to a homeless person or whatever, so the bartender takes the stack of cash, Runs back into the bar, stuffs it into a whiskey bottle, like in the neck, like Molotov cocktail style, and he comes outside. 
And he fucking goes, you take this money or I'm lighting it on fire. And it's like 60 bucks or something. And so this guy that opened for me, he goes, oh, shit. You know, and he grabs the money and he puts it out. And then he, like, goes, dude, just take the fucking money. And the bartender gets real mad at him. And he stuffs all the burnt money in his shirt. And the guy wakes up the next day, like, you know, forgot all this happened. Fucking drunk. And uh, that was one of those mornings where he just looks around his bed and there's just burnt money everywhere. Now that... That is a fucking... You, that's how you should be living your life when you're a young comic. <laughs> you just wake up surrounded by burnt money like you're the Joker. Ah, that fucking rules. Um, <laughs> and then... God damn it. Some other guys who I like who are fucking hilarious uh, asked me to do a podcast that... Ooh, I mean, we should have just done it a different day. We kind of fucked up this, um, this, this the, uh, the scheduling of this. Plus, I was kind of... You know, it's kind of tour sick or whatever, but, um, <laughs> uh, this is another reason that, like, the podcasts have been kind of coming out irregularly, because, like, there's a bunch of shit that we recorded that either didn't work, or, um, it's just banked, because the other, we're gonna cross podcast with a couple people, and their shit isn't coming out for a week, so, anyway, it's all coming back together, but, um, <laughs> man, I, we fucking, I, I, let me tell you a story, I got asked to do a podcast, after my show, and I fucked up, because I had people come out, and I should have hung out afterwards, and, you know, um, I don't know, I, you know, hung out until last call, but I figured, well, we'll hang out a little bit, and I'll split the difference, we'll go to this food truck, and we'll do this crazy podcast in this food truck late at night, and this guy tells me, the, <laughs> he tells me, it's a, it's at this warehouse right down the street, and I go, oh, that's great, I live in a crazy warehouse, we can talk about warehouse shit, I can, I've never really talked about the, the politics of the place I live in this uh, on this show, and I'm gonna eventually going to because it's you know it's fucking crazy. Um, but uh, anyway, after that show, because actually actually tonight we're at the the rodeo, so I go okay. Um, where's the rodeo? And he gives us an address, and it's I forgot how fucking far away everything is up here and how hard it is to get around. It's out in like way the fuck out in the edge of town. Well, I go that makes sense. Rodeo, right? And so. <laughs> We take a car out to where this food truck is supposedly at at this rodeo, and we roll up, and it's not a rodeo. Um, <laughs> it's this thing that I don't know what cities this is totally native to, but if, you, if you're a Houston person, you'll know that there are just these carnivals that are just in parking lots that are just in a different side of town every night, or, you know, I guess they travel around other towns and fairs and stuff, but it's just this traveling carnival. This is carnies. Carnies are working there. <laughs> I used to go to these when I was growing up. I lost 75 bucks on a fucking uh, a carnival scam when I was 18, hanging out at one of these carnivals. They've got that crazy um, rotating uh, spaceship thing that, like, centrifuges you to the wall. You know, it's fun shit, but anyway, it's, here's my point. As soon as you hear yourself say the words, this is not actually a rodeo, you're fucked. Uh, <laughs> that's bad news from there, and that's when you should turn around. But we, I go, this is not the rodeo we were promised. And we walk through this carnival, and we go to this food truck, and uh, this crazy-ass comic is hanging out in the food truck. Because you have to, when you make barbecue, you stay up all night you know, with the smoker and shit. So you have one of these weird-ass jobs that comedians have. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll redo it, but I, I'm, I blacked out as soon as we started talking, because, like, we were just yelling at a snowball mic surrounded by 
charring meat, <laughs> drinking, you know, post a fucking headlining show, insanity. Um, <laughs> but you know, got a pretty good story out of it. Um, I don't know. So anyway, let me pause for a second. Okay, I'm back. Um, a couple things I want to talk about before we get into these interviews um, is obviously the big fucking stories of today are probably the um, <laughs> the parade of blackface coming out of Virginia politics right now and um, and the State of the Union, which um, I caught, you know, the highlights of. <laughs> Oh, and the Super Bowl, I guess, which sucked. That wasn't much of a story. But if uh, thank you if you listened to the Chapo live stream. I was drunk out of my mind. Um, and we <laughs> basically had a cocktail napkin that said Nanette Halftime Show, and we just kind of rolled with it. But um, had a pretty good time on it. It was fun. Um, the State of the Union, though. So the meme going around today is that apparently Nancy Pelosi you know, sarcastically clapped at, um, at the, you know, President fucking Cheeto or whatever, um, and there's, like, a still image of her sort of doing, like, the Joker clap, and, uh, if you watch the video, she's just clapping, she just has weird hands, you know, and, uh, not only is she clapping, she's clapping for, um, you know, this speech in which he is declaring America will never become a socialist country, um, and this is everyone's, like, queen for, you know, this week. This is the neoliberal Khaleesi, <laughs> um, which sucks because it means the cold open, I'm calling it right now, fucking SNL cold open this week is going to suck ass. It's just going to be uh, her doing that weird thing with her eyes, which is, I mean, so these people are funny, but they're in an institution that sucks. Like, that, <laughs> that shit with the eyes would be funny in a better joke, but, like, just watching Nancy Pelosi just raise her eyebrows at you and go, <laughs> like, I'm getting one over on you. It fucking sucks. Um, but it's got me thinking a lot about the standing of politicians right now um, because people seem so, like, isolated and atomized that... You know, I've been thinking a lot about like, well, why are podcasts such a such a you know a successful form of entertainment right now? Um, why do my friends that I hang out with show me the the very specific obscure YouTube channels that they spend all their time sitting around watching? You know, um, it's cool. I'm glad that you know that we're able to make this show, but it seems to me to be a side effect of. The sort of loss of the monoculture and the, you know, the, the, the atomization thing, the isolation, um, the, the bubble thing, too, you know, the fucking, you know, we don't hang out in real life anymore. We, if you want to be a fucking evolutionary psychology, you know, shithead about it, the, but there's some extent to which this might be true, you know, we've evolved to live in communities of a certain size, and now we live in these big abstract ones, right? And so that's where it gets kind of weird. But um, I think there's, like, positive and negative sides to this. Um, but there's this term parasocial entertainment I've been thinking about a lot because that's essentially podcasts are great because if you're doing a good job at them, you can make them informative and educational and funny or whatever. But, you know, I'm a fucking podcast junkie. 
Uh, and I have these relationships with podcasts I listen to where I've never met the fucking people on them, and they feel, because you listen to them on your commute every day, like, you know, your friends, or there's some sort of hole that's being filled that is otherwise lacking through that thing. And on some level, as a comedian, I've always felt like, well, in capitalism, what we're doing is, even though this is a dark way of looking at it, I mean, we're essentially bottling and manufacturing joy, and that is a commentary on how bleak people's lives are, you know? But but if we can do it, well, then, you know, then maybe things suck a little bit less that night when you come out and see a show. And that, I, let me tell you, that is fucking way more true, way more obvious when you're out here doing these, like, side-of-the-road shows like I'm going to be doing with Mishka out in... Uh, <laughs> just parts of Texas I, I didn't even know existed um, You know But it does feel good though When you have someone come out To a show That they drove fucking four hours for And You know it's the, the That was their thing That they had going on that week You know um, Especially if you're living a lot more remotely And you're getting all your entertainment Through shit like this um, You know Great Like Cool Maybe you're not living a fucking stupid New York life where you're at brunch all the time and, you know, you're going to music festivals and shit. It's just a fucking shotgun of content all the time. Um, you know, maybe it's more of a remote thing where you live more of a calm, sleepy life, but you listen to a lot of music and you listen to comedy and radio and stuff like that and you're into it. Nothing wrong with that, I don't think. I don't think there's, you know, either one of these ways is a superior way of living. Um, but, <laughs> but I do think... Because there's this hole in all of our hearts, and there is, you know, a, a way of filling it, i.e. through art, and through podcasts, and through comedy, and all that sort of shit, there's a dangerous way to do this shit, right? <laughs> and I'll argue with Marxists about this sometimes, because you know, a lot of them have the uh, opinion that, you know... Nothing is particularly dangerous on a cultural level. Culture is the end of the, you know, the the, the, the sausage being made, the uh, assembly line, um, you know. But, I mean, I guess what I'm thinking about is the good way to fill this hole in your fucking soul is through shit that is, like, you know, entertaining and educational and shit, like what I'm trying to make bad way to do it is by fucking standing politicians um and that's that's where i'm at right now with this like crazy nancy pelosi shit and uh you know i don't like bernie sanders because he seems like a rude person sort of uh way of looking at politics this seems like a very existential like like um dystopian kind of tragedy uh the <laughs> the fact that Grown adults, when you talk to them about politics, especially now that shit's going down, or at least it, it, we're more aware that it's going down, as you know, John Mulaney would put it, the fucking horse is loose in the hospital sort of things going on. It's really scary that people can't just, you know, cite shit and tell you why they trust or don't trust a politician. And this might be the Texan in me. This might be like the Southern, you know... Uh, point of view where you, you know you consider yourself very independent and uh, you don't subscribe to either of these, you know these ideologies because you know 
the, the smartest thing being a Texan will do to you is is put is make your default point of view that everyone in politics is a crook until they prove otherwise, right? Um, Texas is also really dumb and individualistic and all this shit, but that's the smart. That's the good part of it. Makes you a healthy skeptic, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, people don't seem to have this point of view anymore because everyone's so freaked out. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People I like are like this, and it's something we got to talk about because AOC is cool, and I'm she's so cool that you know I'll let myself kind of make those jokes sometimes about her being a badass or whatever. But really, all these people are fucking nerds. You shouldn't like any of them. And most importantly, you got to really make it a point to explain to people I don't like Bernie Sanders. I don't like this person. I like socialism. I like my brother not having to go bankrupt because this fucking you know, appendix exploded, uh, because something just naturally happened to him, you know? <laughs> and so, like, this is like a real problem. This is the brain disease that you have to grab your people who are ostensibly on the same side as you, i.e. left of fucking Nazi at this point, and go, this is not a good reason to, to vote for someone, and you're being manipulated. You're being manipulated in the same way that they manipulate the fucking Trump people. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody likes to make these jokes about, oh, Republicans vote against their own interest. Well, then why, do you, why are you frantically trying to stamp out socialism and the only people fighting for it and the only people trying to, you know, make it to where we can go to the fucking hospital and not get killed? Um, <laughs> guess what? You're exactly as gullible as these fucking Trump people, you know? And... And it's ha- it's happening because you're such a like a media consuming psychopath that they can just sort of like make these these nerds these fucking political figures that are nerds and dorks into like you know what essentially what amounts to like a comic book character like the way you think about Batman you should not be thinking about Kamala Harris as a fucking Batman or a, a Disney character or whatever these people suck they're tools for for affecting society in a way that keeps us alive. And that's it. In a perfect world, we would never think about them. If they were doing their jobs correctly, we wouldn't <laughs> like we wouldn't be arguing about them and going, "Well, I think this one's, uh, you know, a dick and I think this one's rude." They're all dicks. Fuck them. Anyway, rant over. Um <laughs> I should probably get out of this parking lot. Uh get away from this dumpster. But yeah, I'll be releasing a bunch of podcasts. And did I just say rant over? God damn it. I that All right, I, sp- I spent time in Houston too long and uh, became like a pickle rick person for a minute. <laughs> uh Well, how do I How do you dismount from having essentially a manic episode into a, a podcast microphone? I don't know. Rant over. My mom made me watch an episode of Bill Maher and I think it destroyed part of my brain. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh but anyway yeah um I'll, we'll, from here we'll get into some interviews i did with just comics i've been working with and stuff and uh comics who are comics and comics who are leftists and all sorts of people because this, you know this podcast is kind of about everything um i'll be talking a little bit later to uh some some lefties that i met who are i guess you know now that now it's a thing there are leftist comedians which is cool um who i've been meeting as i travel around and uh, also right now though i'm going to talk to my good buddy joe stats who i like started comedy with way back in the day and uh, who i'm crashing with and importantly 
most importantly, Sats is great because he's just lived a fucking terrible life. <laughs> All this bad shit happens to Stats. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's just a fucking tragedy, but he's got all these crazy stories, and, uh, I think we're gonna tell a couple of them from our touring days back in the day, but, um, but, this is the most important part of this episode, fuckers, Stats has got this dog, right, this dog named Bailey, he's like a chow mix, it's the cutest dog in the world, it's my favorite fucking dog, um, she's a chow mix, She's got, like, hot spots on the back of her, so she, he has to shave her to where she looks like a lion. Um, or, like, Red 13 from Final Fantasy VII. It fucking rules. And people get mad at him, say, that's, your, your, your animal is not an art project. And literally, literally as a note from a doctor, I have to shave my dog to where she looks like Red 13 from Final Fantasy VII. It fucking rules. Um, this dog kicks ass. I've lived with her, you know, back in the day. Uh, every time I come to town, she remembers me. And, uh, I used to, <laughs> he would come in with the dog to a bar I tended bar at sometimes, and she would fucking come behind the counter and then, like, drink people's shots of whiskey and shit. She fucking rules. Bailey's the best dog in the world. So, Bailey has arthritis. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? The same bullshit in the healthcare industry for humans also exists for dogs. Um, <laughs> there's, I guess... A podcast called Dog Save America, where a bunch of shitty golden retrievers are sitting around talking about how um, they no longer believe in Medicare for all dogs. I don't know. Um, not all dogs go to heaven, etc. Uh, there's another, there's a goth socialist dog podcast called Dog Damn America. There's a whole world out that we didn't even know about, or at least I didn't know about because I don't have pets. But <clears throat> Bailey needs surgery that, guess what? We can't fucking afford because we're all broke. <laughs> and uh, we all work in the service industry, and there's no money down here, and we're not... Good lord. Every da everyone down here is broke, still. It's insane. There's no way to make money. So, Bailey, the best dog in the world, needs not even very much money. Um, there's a GoFundMe set up that my friend Avery made, who also has no money. Uh, and there will be a, a link, if you have some money you can throw down, in the show notes of this episode. Please. Fuck it. Um, I know I'm asking you guys to support the Patreon and all that shit. Come out to shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got it, if you've got the money and you want to do something cool, I will, I'll come up to me at a show. I'll figure out a way to get you some free merch or something to sort of, uh, to make up this money back or whatever. But she needs surgery that is expensive. And essentially when a dog starts to get this arthritis, the way I sort of understood it is there's, you can sort of get like this stem cell shit, which is what she needs, or you can basically do invasive surgery that enters into the phase of killing the dog, um, destroys the dog's liver, etc. And so I want Bailey to live forever and uh, dance on my grave and um, look like Red 13 while she does it. So help keep Bailey alive, please. Um, anyways, without further ado, we'll get into this, uh, <laughs> this fucking hoe down with me and Joe's stats. All right, enjoy. Um, all right, so yeah, we should definitely talk about Oki before we wind this down. Um, I don't even know how to get into this story because the first time we went on tour... I, actually, let's let's just uh, preface that with uh, 
What graffiti do you know about Oki Roy? Yeah, okay, so this is, <laughs> this is a good way to lead into the story. If anyone's ever lived in Austin, Texas, especially like 10 years ago or whatever, you might have seen like in the old Austin bars like Don's and Depot and shit like that, you would see graffiti on the walls of all of these Austin clubs about this character named Oki Roy. And they were all very anti-Oki Roy. So the one that I remember specifically was Oki Roy plus a stick equals a stick. Which is like the most hillbilly insult of all time. Like, yeah. You're a stick. <laughs> um, and I remember seeing that shit forever and not putting together who that person was. Which is, we'll get into that in this story. But um, give me some background on Oki Roy. Uh, Oki Roy is, uh, my uncle, uh, <laughs> slash, uh, state champion high school football player, <laughs> slash used to look exactly like Conan O'Brien, <laughs> slash used to look a lot like Johnny Depp, like, he was in the, uh, first Mountain Dew commercial ever. <laughs> The first one ever. Yeah, literally. The first Mountain Dew commercial ever was like a bunch of people hanging out and then a guy rides up on a horse because he's Oki Roy from Oklahoma. Like he shows up on the set like through some connection from like theater like teacher he had. Like you need to do this. And uh, he was the only person apparently that knew how to ride a horse. (laughs) And so like the first Mountain Dew commercial he's like you only see you don't even I don't even think you see his head in this but like he got that and then his like uh, like theater teacher was like uh, hey uh, uh, here's my connections out in LA and so he goes out to LA uh, when he goes out to LA that's when the uh, uh, LA riots start and yeah. so like, him and his entire high school class are just like just stuck in a hotel room while the LA riots happen. <laughs> and then he like comes back from that and uh, like he still has a lot of connections because this is like before the internet and everything is saturated. Yeah. And so it's like, no, he's still got these connections out here, but uh, he just won a high school championship. His dad had just died by grandfather, which is weird because, uh, my grandfather was 65 with like, I think like seven or eight wives. And for some weird little apocalypse or conundrum of society or the world, wormhole, um, my uncle was only four years older than me, three years younger than my sister. Yeah. We ended up hanging out in this town for a few years. But then because uh, uh, like uh, some addicts are, they become distant and are ostracized due to the eventually owing a lot of people money. And so we end up, he ends up uh, going back to Oklahoma. When we're in Oklahoma, it's the first tour I've ever done with comedy. Yeah. And I uh, messaged my uncle and he's like, hey, yeah, I got you guys. And he's got us a place to stay. We had already booked the show. And uh, then I proceed to drink with my uncle that I hadn't seen in like 10 years. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, things are good. Things are fun. All right, we get pretty drunk, but he only lives down the street, so this should be fine. And then he 
gets behind the wheel to drive me and a couple other people back to the place we're supposed to crash. And he drives maybe 20 feet before he blows out both his tires on the <laughs> curb and, and ends up in a parking lot or ends up in somebody's house, like in their front yard. Yeah. And I just go into... He's blowing through mailboxes and shit. Yeah. 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 And I'm just like, all right. I just immediately grab him and throw him out of the car. I'm like, your car's getting towed. The car's done. You're not getting a DWI. Let's keep fucking going. Yeah. And then Cupus jumps out of the car. Uh, the car that you guys are in is yeah, just yeah. like we just got a reason with this guy this guy lives down the street <laughs> and the guy is out of his fucking mind won't give <laughs> he won't tell anybody where he lives a uh, little backstory on that apparently he had uh, whatever uh, like food eating disorder uh, not Asperger's but like some weird weird little like you have to like strategically control your diet sort of thing otherwise this you'd become an insane person yeah he didn't know he had that at the time interesting yeah. okay <laughs> I didn't know that. So, yeah. I just then, remember this night because yeah. I was in the other car we were following you guys and we were yeah like, and so we like why is this guy mowing through fucking mailboxes yeah and, shit? and so like we never I, we never make it to the house I end up falling I end up dragging my uncle out of the car I'm like just get the fuck out we got to get the fuck out. We're parked in somebody's front yard. Nobody's dead. We just need to go so you don't get a DWR. And we walk like, I don't know, like a couple blocks away in front of a radio station. And uh, this radio station has a, uh, in my uncle's opinion, uh, uh, a beautiful American flag. <laughs> and he's like, Joe, look at that. I'm like, yeah, I mean... It, I'm not patriotic and I never will be, but I mean, it was technically a beautiful American flag underneath sure. these lights with sure. no place to sleep. Yeah, I mean, the, the flag waving underneath the lights, like, it did look fairly nice. <laughs> and then he's like, because we're next door to Reyes, he's like, we need to talk to these people and get a ride home. <laughs> and he starts, like, trying to get the doors open. He starts trying to force him open like like putting his foot against one door it's a double door thing yeah and he starts to pull it up and then uh the doors won't open and then the radio uh station calls the cops and uh the cops show up and uh they uh immediately put my uncle on handcuffs because he's trying to break and enter into a uh, sure he's trying to break into a radio station <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh <laughs> and, and so they put him in handcuffs and they're like uh, uh, we can tell your friend's fine they don't know he's my uncle and they're like hey your friend's okay do you just want to give him your keys and let him know where you live and he's like absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> and so and the cop uh, is uh, I guess it's just like a scumbag is like a uh, probably a future Trump supporter could be. Sure. He's like, hey, uh, if you can blow anything on the register, we can throw you in the drunk tank for the night so you have a place to sleep. <laughs> oh my God, what a weird sell. Yeah, and I was like, I'm good. And so I just go walking through the night of Oklahoma City on my first tour, in quotation marks, of comedy. Yeah, that and was literally like the first date we'd been out of Texas. Yeah. 
And so I'm just like super depressed. I'm like, well, I guess this is the end of comedy for me. And I'm fucking, I walk like maybe six blocks and I run into Chris Cubis. <laughs> and he's like, Joe! Oh, yeah! And we go to like McDonald's because it's the only thing open in Oklahoma City at the time. Yeah. And uh, we're like sitting there, like I order a couple of coffees. He immediately goes to sleep and starts snoring. And I'm like, hey! And I wake him up, I'm like, you can't do this. He's like, all right. I'm like, I'm like, uh, he's like, where do we go? I'm like, I don't know where we go. I'm like, do we just go back to the bar we were at? Because this is like before, like, this is small- before smartphones. Yeah, this is before this. smartphones. We literally had no idea where we were. Uh, this is before, <laughs> like, map and GPS. When we next level, we just know we're somewhere around where we're supposed, where we were supposed to leave the bar, like, eight hours ago. Yeah. And somehow, like, Cubis and I ended up together. We go back. We, somehow we just, like, walk, like, another mile or two. We end up, like, holy shit, that is that the bar we were at that we did the show at? <laughs> or, and so we just sit down. We sit down just, like, I mean, we are homeless. We are homeless people <laughs> with nowhere to go yeah. and hope that anybody shows up. At one point, like, uh, Cubis uh, tries to, like, like, cause there's all these like homeless, like feral cats roaming around. He like goes to pet one cat, and one of these cats makes a weird noise. And then I look over, and he's just petting a raccoon. Yeah, that was the funniest part of that night. I remember is that somebody found out he was just petting a raccoon. <laughs> well, another funny part of that is like we're just so exhausted, and somehow he has a blanket that yeah. he's covered in, and. Like, a bunch of people just thought he was a pile of trash. <laughs> <laughs> he was just covering that, and I'm just standing next to it. And we're so tired, and then... Because, actually, I guess we need to backtrack a little bit. Because the original story was, my uncle was like, Hey, you guys can crash at my place, I'll make you bacon and eggs in the morning. <laughs> and so you guys... Thought we were fucking like sleeping at Okie Roy's place. Yeah, we were. We were all egg. so mad because we slept in a in, in the car in a Walmart parking lot. Yeah, night, and we're like these fucking guys made it to that house. We were we were so mad. We were like they were probably sleeping fine, you know. And then we came to find out in the morning that you were like in the street. Yeah, <laughs> we we stayed in the middle of nowhere, and uh, it's uh, only the. Uh, God, there's not a political correct way to say this, but I mean, I guess it's sort of politically correct if I say like, like mental disorder is real, but literally you have to be crazy to stay on the streets. Like it's, <laughs> it's literally like I experienced like, uh, a couple years before I started comedy, like, uh, I was, uh, between places and I was working like a little office job and I had to live in my car for a month. Yeah. Why I figured out like to save enough money to get a deposit for a place because uh, capitalism only lets you live month to month. Oh yeah. Or paycheck to paycheck and that's the way it was. And then like that experience was just like, yeah, neither one of us have any money. Doesn't matter what the situation is. We're fucking sleeping. (laughs) Right here, right now, because that's the fucking way it is. <laughs> yeah. The funniest thing I remember about that story is that 
Oki Roy apparently was like, and Oki, by the way, for anyone listening, he's called Oki. That's what you call somebody from Oklahoma. They're Okies. Is that he, uh, after he crashed his car through all those mailboxes, he just, he was blackout drunk to keep going, doesn't matter, high five. Anytime <laughs> I forgot about that. Anytime he would go, hey, how do we get home? He'd go, doesn't matter, high five. And then he got eventually picked up. <laughs> I wish I could remember like the one cool like punk rock bar like it was Blue something the Blue Nile yeah that was where we played yeah or no that wasn't where we played no we played we played the we played some random bar place. where like Cuba stapled a dollar bill to the well the opening band or the the opening act I remember was a a burlesque troupe called the Carnival of Cleavage and it was a bunch of like juggalo women who would like do wrestling tricks and fucking staple dollar bills to their tits and shit. And, uh, actually, what a bad show. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being like, this is actually a pretty good act to open for a comedy show. There was, there was three of us in the bills. Carnival of Cleavage, and it was us doing comedy, and then it was this guy named, uh, Tapestry. And he was, like, a slam poet. Who if had, he had more courage, he would have been a school shooter. He pretty much would have been because he was a, um, like a ex paratrooper. Yeah. Like in this day and age, like he was a fucking paratrooper in like I don't know Iraq or some yeah. shit, and he had PTSD. He was the Jimi Hendrix of Oklahoma. Clearly, so bad that he <laughs> fucking like he hung out with us, and I remember the thing that JT said about him was pretty well put where he was like we weren't afraid he was going to shoot the audience we were afraid he's going to shoot or he we weren't afraid he's going to kill us we were afraid he was going to kill someone who he thought was a threat to us like he <laughs> loved that... us too much he was this weird opening act that was like way too into us or whatever um but what happened that night is that we did that show and then it was pretty good and then we went like all right, we're going to go back to Okie Roy's place. Yeah. And then Okie Roy said, let's go to the Blue Nile. And we were like, okay. And then we went to the Blue Nile. We told Tapestry, hey, thanks for coming out, but we're going to go home. And then as soon as we went to the Blue Nile, he was the first freshman we ran into. And we were like, oh, whoops. (laughs) I told you I was leaving. But, you know, when you tell someone, like, I'm not going to go to another bar. And then you show up at that bar, they're there. And you're like... Oh, <laughs> guess I accidentally went to another bar. Yeah, because he kept uh, ordering us a bunch of shots and drinks, because I remember this as well. Yeah. He was like, this place is great. Beer and a shot, $5. <laughs> and he orders all these drinks for us all night. And at the end of the night, um, his cars declined. <laughs> And so I'm like, all right, I pull out my card because I have like $60 left on it. And then, and then we uh, Tarantino back to the beginning of the story where I'm just stuck in the middle of Oklahoma City by myself <laughs> with literally $0. Yeah. And nothing and so sad. Yeah, and like Okie Roy's in jail and yeah. Tapestry is who the fuck knows where he is. Yeah. And then, yeah, you guys are just like sleeping in a McDonald's. Huh. <laughs> it's insane that we made it out of Oklahoma City. 
You yeah. know who didn't make it out of Joplin, Missouri? Who? My, my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> true. She was totally killed there. True, true, true. Uh, she had a loaded gun on her coffee table, a loaded gun next to her, but nightstand. <laughs> Let's talk about gun control. Hell yeah. I'm not for or against it. I just think it's pointless. <laughs> Unless you're constantly holding a gun at everybody you possibly know. I don't know how a gun is ever going to save your life. Anyway. I don't know, man. Seventh heaven. Oh, let's fucking kill ourselves. Uh, All right. Sick up. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you said it on mic. <laughs>